0: Hello and welcome to Shades and Coffee, the almost weekly Look Good, Feel Good podcast presented by me, Vivian Braidwood. Today's guest is a Brazilian creative technologist based in London. Now, hands up if you've ever heard that term before now. I certainly hadn't. He's really passionate about the fusion between technology and art. He especially enjoys working with physical installations and new futuristic technologies. Think AI, augmented reality. What I love about this super cool nerd is that he's always on the lookout for new ideas and opportunities to collaborate on any innovation that positively improves people's lives, people's well-being, or that simply blows your mind in terms of sheer awesomeness. And why not? <laughs> Please welcome Pedro Galashi. I see guitars. Yes, I
1: have an electric bass and an acoustic guitar.
0: Beautiful. My, I have only a few regrets in life. One is that I didn't continue to learn to play an instrument.
1: I have the same feeling. I wish I had in my life put in more effort and time on those instruments because I, I, I love music.
0: Well, thank you for making the time. Creative yeah. technologist. It's the first time I've ever come across that. The name suggests that it's something to do with art, but using technology and somehow a fusion of the two. But I'll let you explain a bit more about that.
1: Yes, that's exactly what it is. I think it's a new term, especially for the advertisement industry. So my role is kind of in between coding and arts. I usually walk in between the team of coders and the team of clients so I can translate for clients new technologies and for coders what the clients are looking for. So I try to be always up on the new trends of technology so trying to get The field of what is happening around artificial intelligence, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, all of those new kind of mediums. I'm trying to keep up with all of them and and translate to clients They are not really used to those languages and getting the feedback and bringing back to code.
0: So the coders are the ones that they keep in the dark room and they let you out <laughs> to talk to the clients because we understand you, you understand us.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it happens. I do a lot of coding as well. I did university in design, but I've been coding for the past like uh, 15 years.
0: Okay, so the design side, that's where your love of the artistry comes because you still define yourself as an artist.
1: I think so. I think most of the projects that I do, they are all in the advertisement house. So I always like a... Uh, working with brands, but still trying to bring some art and technology together to like, get more exposure to the brands.
0: Okay. In terms of your uh, creative process, how does that feel for you? Because most of the artists I talk, it, pretty much all of them actually, talk about creating and then putting it out there and seeing how the world responds to their art, no matter what's the art, whether they're making shoes, whether they're making jewelry, clothes, fine art, etc. It's the first time I'm talking to someone where it sounds like you were commissioned. So you have this client facing side. How is that for your creative process?
1: I do a lot of personal projects and commercial projects. And I think those are different things anyway. I think when you get like a briefing from a client, you kind of get a better direction so you start with a starting point and you can get some direction from what the client is aiming with his product and what is the goal that they want so if they want to get like more people into using the, their product or if they want to something for the brand specifically you have a goal so you can do some research have a like a user research so you see like a, what is the Public target that you are going for, and you follow some guidelines from the brand usually. So you can't really extrapolate a lot of your creativity. When I do my personal projects, I usually start with an idea, and I try to put outside. So as much as I, I do some coding, and I I like to prototype really quickly and put outside for people to try. Especially have physical things. So I really like uh, merge digital spaces and physical spaces. So I tend to work with a lot of those microcontroller boards that do some sensors and stuff. I really, really enjoy like how art and technology can merge, really.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that from having a look at your Instagram. I like the physicality of it because, again, when I'm talking with artists, which is why I'm like, I like that you still maintain the title of artistry because you're working with materials, actually, rather than just being totally in a digital space, non-material space. So I want to talk about a few of your projects. And yeah. One of them is the paper boat Carousel. So yep. that's an installation or a project designed to bring the Docklands community together. That's the community where you where you live.
1: Exactly. You to... I live by the London City Airport, close to the Docklands area, by the barriers in London. Ah, the Thames the... barrier.
0: Oh, nice. Yes,
1: exactly. I think everything started with the lockdown. I was still working, but I had plenty of time to execute my ideas. And the, the traffic of boats uh, on the front of the river where we I live, it kind of stopped. And one day I was passing by and I thought, well, it could be really nice if we actually had like some boats, paper boats running on the river line by the post. And I said, oh, that could be a nice idea. And from there towards, I started to prototype this kind of boat carousel where people could draw paper boats and put them them in a carousel. And this carousel would be running the boats around. So all of the community could be part of it. So I did a really quick prototyping at home. It took me like a few days to put everything together. I went outside like at six in the morning because I was really shy to get my project outside. <laughs> I, I put all together in the front of the river as I was Banksy and I just ran out. And at the end of the day, I wasn't expecting to have any boats. and was super nice because I went outside and I had something around like a 25 to 30 boats on the first round of boats. Oh, there. wow during the day, I went a few times over there and I could see that people actually spend a lot of time doing the the boats and I could see from the drawings that there's a lot of people that actually put some effort on it. So they spend six to 10 minutes uh, drawing in a boat on the front of the river. So making people engage with your artwork, I think was was the best part. It's funny because I can see posting those projects on LinkedIn or on your social medias Probably wasn't the most, the one that gave me most exposure, but it's probably one of the ones that I like more because you have this feeling of the community. So everyone gets together and you can see people drawing. It was like from kids to adults to a little bit elder people. It was super nice. And the idea is actually to keep this project running. I have something around, uh, I have 50 boats that people draw around the Docklands, so from my neighborhood, 55 boats, I would say, plus a few friends that actually send me over boats because as I work on the advertisement industry, I know some uh, animation directors and some artists, so they send me over boats. And I will get all of those boats together and do like a really big uh, carousel. And then when I finish with this big carousel, I would take the original uh, paper boats and sell them individually and auction them to give the money back to some charities on the community.
0: Oh that's beautiful. I mean I heard about you because one of the residents actually said this is what's happening. They explained it to me and it still made no sense and um, they obviously <laughs> didn't explain it the way that you explained it because they didn't have the full picture but what they explained to me was that during this time of proper you know lockdown when people were allowed to go out a little bit for exercise or whatever she had noticed that the uh, the rivers had gone quiet. I love being on the river. And so I, I was listening into what's happening on the rivers and the canal trust. And yeah, the traffic could stop. Nobody could move. The river based communities had to stay moored up and, and all the other people who use the river had to stop. So if you're living right by the river, you're going to notice that. So I love the fact that you put all these boats back, you know, on the river and had this activity on the river um, once again. So when she was explaining it to me, the sense that I got, firstly, she showed me the picture that she'd drawn and I thought, oh my God, it's like this scribbled boat. So I still don't get it. All I needed to understand was in the tone of her voice and in the energy that was coming from her, it was a positive experience. She'd really enjoyed it. It enabled her to kind of plug into the community. I didn't know anything about what a creative technologist was. And some of your projects, I thought, oh my goodness, like for instance, don't give a finger. Love the name, by the way, because <laughs> this is one of the things that during you know, lockdown and the big fear about the virus, the fact that if I needed to cross a road, <laughs> you see all these people trying to press the button to get the, the, the lights to go red or even at cashpoint machines. You know, you see people resorting to using their knuckle or trying to get a bit of tissue and press these buttons. So I love that you created this sort of physical device. It's, uh, what is it? Is it motion sensor or something like that? Yes,
1: exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Uh, was On the beginning of lockdown, I was crossing before actually my, my company put us back to to home. I was walking around the Oxford Street area and I was noticing that all of the buttons in here, you still have to press them. There's a few countries where the crossing lights, you have sensors, but not in London. I think uh, all of the crossing in here is still kind of physically uh, press so you have to press the buttons and this is completely pointless. I think like um, yeah product designers should an engineer should think better on these things and, and this like a situation that we are now prove this thing that there's no point for us to be pressing but buttons that are not really necessary and this project was kind of a joke with product design and engineering so I, I managed to put together this little acrylic box with a small microcontroller inside that detects the sensors. And I bought some thumbs from a Magic Finger Tricks. So I put like a kind of a real thumb. So every time that a person cross the sensor, the thumb actually press the button and activate the lights. It was a really nice project because I got a lot of good feedback on this and there's a lot of people that actually thought, well, this project could happen." And yeah, like, are you selling this to like a, a TFL? And I said, "Well, this they could do something similar, but the mechanics that I did is just for like a kind of a joke. The reality is that they could have like a, just a light sensor on the front or a motion sensor on the front that could do the job."
0: Well, yes. I mean, I'm really just disappointed now to learn that it's not going anywhere. I thought, this is genius. Please tell me they've taken this up and they're going to roll it out. In fact, I've made a list of other places you could have this, toilets, <laughs> because I absolutely hate having to open the, the door when you're coming out of the toilet because you obviously haven't been able to wash your hands <laughs> before you can do that. And so, um, I mean, what does it take for these innovations? Aren't there forums where you can sort of find out what's in the pipeline or where you can present these ideas, especially when they have really good practical and social use.
1: In theory, they're really nice, but the practicality of put them in place, especially if you have already a whole setup of equipment in there, it gets quite expensive, especially for like the government to put this back in public and they are not able to have a, like a, such a fast turnaround and recycle all of the equipment that they already have outside. But this is something that it has to change slowly. I think if they prototype and they put together like on the new traffic lights, a new system, slowly we start to replace whatever we have now. And this is the way to go, really.
0: You know what I miss? I don't know whether you remember there was a program called Tomorrow's World. No. I'm probably sharing my age.
1: It might be something that it wasn't playing in Brazil. As I grew up in Brazil, probably something that I haven't seen there.
0: Okay. Tomorrow's World, like the name suggests, they were always showing you the technology of the future. I was watching it as a child. It was fantastic. And a lot of what they talked about then is real now. But then it was like, what are they talking about? But you believed it was going to happen because they were talking, they would show you prototypes and They should bring programs like that back.
1: Yeah, I really like shows where they do predictions They are kind of real. It's not like you are watching Back to the Future movie that you'll see like a 2020 that you're going to have cars flying around and everything. They actually propose a a real future, near future. That is really nice.
0: Yes, yes. No, they should should bring that back. And then some of the other projects that you you did, there was one where you got a public library. Um, I... My interpretation of what you're trying to achieve there is that it's a public library that operates a bit like the old Boris bikes. You take books, you leave them somewhere, and then, you know, your um, your phone or your device, your smart device tells you and the world where these things are in case you want to pick them up.
1: Exactly. It was kind of like the Boris bike, but was, was more kind of a public service. So any person that wants to donate a book, you could go to this website, print up a QR code stick on your book and leave the book somewhere. And when you leave the book, you could log this book on his location. So if a person get into the system and say, well, I've seen this kind of um, Harry Potter on Old Street. He could go to Old Street and see through the location and get the book and grab and take home and kind of give a login. So he collect the book and is using the book. So people could actually spread books around and make kind of a public library and it was a really nice project at the beginning i did in partnership with a friend of mine was an idea of a friend of mine and as i do coding he said well pedro can you put this thing together for me so we start the project with something around 100 books and a lot of people engage especially on the beginning and with our own books projects that you you depend on people to run sometimes they fly sometimes they don't really and so I think this is the magic of doing personal stuff. I think they're really nice Then I can express my ideas. It means that I don't have clients to actually ask me to do so I can do whatever I want in the way that I want. So this is lovely.
0: This links to the question I asked you at the beginning about your creative process, because every artist I've spoken to, that's the bit that they really, really enjoy. And it's, it's something that I don't think many of us in any career, any walk of life, often get the chance to do in that really pure way where you're just creating like something is just coming from you from your imagination from you know your heart your soul and you just breathe life into it so when you're talking about it I can see you really like that side but I also like the fact you have the commercial side it's a very different um, skill set different feeling the success in that actually it's different it's nice it's tangible you're creating something that's really um, adding value but I, I see the two things as yeah different I don't know if you see it that way
1: I think they kind of work together. It's really nice. As I work for advertisement industry, they always want to be on the top of the wave. So they are always trying to dig in new technologies. And that's what I do. And the new technologies that I play in my commercial time, they are usually driven from the client. So some of the client's ideas or either the client came with a problem and we have to find the ideas to solve the problem. But it's always kind of client driven. And on my personal work, I can still use the same technologies and I can explore other areas on the new technologies, but with my point of view. So I can use the things that I use in my work time in my personal projects.
0: Okay. So to help me understand International Women's Day. So I saw sort of these images. You had like Emma Watson, Emily Pankhurst, Princess Diana. So explain to me how that particular project works.
1: It was really nice because I was doing some personal projects with particle system. I really like particle systems and how can we emulate by code systems that work in real life. So how particles have influence of physics and how how those laws apply into particles. And a creative friend of mine said, oh, this is really interesting. And we were pretty close to the International Women's Day. So we said, oh, it would be nice to use this project to kind of express something for the International Women's Day. So we decided to get a few female characters from from the time. So I think this project was done in 2016. We got a a few girls to be kind of our inspiration for the project. So what I did, I created a particle system that could simulate the shape of the person so you could see like a, a really nice artwork of the shape of that woman and something that was really nice is that I use live Twitter feeds to to be kind of those tiny particles from the particle system. So uh, I was digging into Twitter hashtag International Women's Day. So every single particle is actually represents a tweet that have their hashtag International Women's Day. So you could actually... Dig around and see the data that people have been talking on Twitter and see what they are talking uh, about the International Women's Day. So it was pretty nice.
0: Visually, it was really nice. If you hadn't told me who the people were, I could have guessed, I think, most of them. So that was sort of artistically nice, accurate. Yeah. It reminded me of when, you know, you see when they put together um, images of people's faces and you look closely and it's made up of lots and lots of postage stamps or yeah. something like that. So, when you say particles, do you mean like each of what in my mind I thought were like the pixels are they are you saying each of the smallest component that went in to make you know almost like the ink that made the image that they were all yeah. live feeds from different hashtag exactly. oh wow exactly. international yeah. women 's day. I wish I could have seen that in person that 's great I
1: have no <laughs> idea how how many tweets and how like much data you get, especially when when you 're targeting a hashtag in a specific day so. Uh, Gay Pride, International Women's Day, or Valentine's Day. If you if you dig those hashtags, especially during the period of time that those events are running, we have like a massive amount of tweets and feeds per second, really. So, uh, it's a really rich source of data.
0: Wow no, I'm really impressed with that um, but there seems to definitely be a theme in terms of there's always a lot of sort of positivity a positive function like with the with the one on the left on the crossing roads where you don't have to press or don't have to press on the lift um, how it made you know the person that put me in contact with you that whole community project of bringing the community together etc so I love that because technology does get a bad rap a lot of the times, doesn't it, in terms of yeah. you know, making the world a terrible place. We're all going to be living in virtual reality when we should be connecting with one another. So I like that you've taken technology and used it to actually improve you know, human interaction and the, and, the, and the human experience.
1: Yeah, I think this is the point of view that I really like on technology. I think everything started when I was, well, 2012, I was doing a lot of game development and then I saw a project that is called The Fun Theory that were related with technology and how technology could change your behavior for good. They built kind of a, a piano stairs on the side of a escalator so they could mention, like, if you have a fun stairs instead of going to the escalators, how people would behave and move to the escalator or to the stairs and change their behavior. And this was kind of blow my mind at the time. I said, well, like I can be a coder that actually do something fun as well. And this was super mind opening. So I could merge technology and make technology to be a good thing and make your life easier and make your life funny because I think at the end of the day, what everyone wants is kind of save time to spend with your family and, and have more fun. And this is how technology should be, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. You know, I'm totally up for anything that saves time, you know, makes things easier to do. I treated myself a few years ago to a dishwasher (laughs) for the first time. I will never go back (laughs) to washing dishes, you know, apart from when I'm listening to podcasts because I just like to find something to do. Uh, 2020 has been a really unusual time. You know, have you been touched in any way by uh, the events of this year to the point where it's made you think about ways in which you could use your gifts. You know, is it something that's maybe inspired you to create something which brings joy, helps bring peace and understanding that level of maybe human interaction of people from different spaces, you know, with differences, maybe coming together and understanding themselves a bit more.
1: I've been really lucky. Yeah. I think at at first being, being a person that can still work on this times is, is pretty, it's been a privilege actually. And, and my industry thankfully wasn't affected so in a kind of a way it was positive for me because it cut all of I still have my job and I it cut my commute time so it means that I have like a two more hours a day to actually think on my personal projects and do my personal projects and this, this has been lovely actually um, I think the best that I could do until now is the paper boat and and I'm really proud because at least at the end, I could bring some joy for the people that was passing by to the river. Uh, but I think there's, there's still a lot to do uh, for all of the people, and especially people that is still have the luck of, of doing work and being able to work. And, and there's always room for helping out people, um, either with time or, or with knowledge or whatever you can, can really provide. And if you can make something for your community, uh, you don't have to f- think big, really, uh, as the paperboard carousel proved me. If you do something really small, but you, you make a happiness of like a small community, if you're doing your part and everyone do your part on your own community, you, you can do good for like uh, everyone.
0: Well, I think it was a big statement. I think you're underplaying Um, what you've done which is cute it's nice it's humble Um, because you know what's that saying the longest journey starts but with a single step you know you change the world one person at a time you know if you make sure like your next door neighbor is okay that's massive you change the world one person at a time so you definitely changed you made someone's day the resident that you know put you on my radar is someone who was isolating alone her isolation story was it was a tough one and you touched her in such a wonderful way and I know that because I felt the wave the energy that came from her when she was describing what you did so what you did is massive and then to hear that you know with all your shyness and with the with the potential for what you were doing possibly being illegal you still went out there (laughs) yay like the rebel (laughs) it's great so if people want to find out more about you what are the best the best channel
1: Probably the best place to reach me is like social media is on, on my Instagram account or on my website. And yeah, I'm always happy to share like knowledge and, and actually absorb knowledge as well. I think implementing ideas, it's not always that I have ideas actually. And there's just a few people that code that are not a lot of people that actually do coding, especially on my field. And so I'm always happy to partnership and build up the ideas of other people as well.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And your Instagram account is?
1: Pedro Galaski Labs.
0: <laughs> oh, excellent. Oh, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Keep innovating.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak with you guys as well.
0: You've been listening to me, Vivian Braidwood. Ask me any lifestyle related question or let me know which topic you'd like me to cover during our essential coffee break. Tag me and use the hashtag Shades and Coffee with Vivian on Twitter or Instagram. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe and please rate us. Shades and coffee, look good, feel good.